Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Please come with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we'll look at the first four verses. It may help you to find this piece of paper entitled, Learn to Pray the Jesus Way. Uh, last week, what I ask is that we cover the year 2020 with prayer of plenty. We looked at being an intercessor. Looked at doing the hard work and the joyous endeavor of standing between God's unlimited resources and human need. And we'll take now another look at our call to prayer as we learn to pray the Jesus way. You learn a lot about somebody when you listen to them pray, don't you? Now, my chief prayer partner is Mary Ruth simmons Wolf. We started praying together when we were dating at Baylor University, and I cannot tell you the number of untold hours that we have spent praying together. We pray every day. And so I know Mary's heart because we prayed so often together. There are many people in this sanctuary, and we have spent sweet hours of prayer together. And when you pray with somebody, you hear their heart, you understand their spirit, you understand if they're connected to the Lord or frankly not. Uh, there are some people who just pray simple childlike rote prayers, and I'm not judging anybody, but it's almost like they're just speaking words or they're sharing a speech. They're not really talking to God. For instance, there was a lady named Ruth Garvin. She was one of my heroes. Oh, this lady, Ruth Garvin, I met her when I came in 1981, and our hearts just synchronized. She had 19 surgeries. She lost a husband and two children. She knew what hard looked like. And this lady, on many occasions, she would just call me up in the middle of the day. She was a prayer warrior. And she would just say, Jay, God's put you on my heart. Let's just pray. And I would say, oh, yes, ma'am. I was just like melted butter when she would call because it touched my heart so deeply. And she would just pour out her heart before the Lord and, and just connected us. So here's what I want you to understand. It is very important to listen to other people pray. You learn a lot about them. For instance, a friend told me the other day that he was listening to a child pray, one of his children. And that's always so beautiful to listen to your children pray. But he said that his little girl, who's about five, prayed this prayer. He said, Dear God, thank you so much for my new little brother, but I wanted a puppy. <laughs> have you been there? Well, I think we all have. But my friends, I want today for us to listen to Jesus pray. We're going to hear the heart of God as we listen to Jesus pray, but let's personalize it. Make this note. Today, enroll in the Jesus School of Prayer. That, that's what the disciples wanted to do. That's what you should do. I mean, think about it. These disciples had tracked Jesus around. They had seen Him do extraordinary miracles. I mean, can you imagine these disciples had seen Jesus take that little lad's lunch and feed a bunch? And they could have said, Jesus, would you give us some instructions, some schooling on how to multiply food, how to multiply the bread? They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Did they say, Jesus, would you give us some quick lessons on how to resurrect people? They didn't say that. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. He had calmed the storm. They had seen Jesus communicate and everybody grow 
into breathless silence. They had seen Jesus' leadership abilities. This man from Nazareth, he was leading now tens of thousands. Did they ever say, Jesus, would you give us some instruction in leadership or communication or taking care of sick people? No. The only time the disciples ever requested specific instructions is right here because they had watched Jesus. They heard him pray, and they determined that the core, the vortex of his power was his talking with God. So, friend, if you are wise as you start this new year, I want to urge you to go ahead and enroll in the Jesus School of Prayer. Now, the tuition is, not, is free, but the results are going to be priceless. Imagine this. Imagine you got a call. Jody, imagine you got a call from Warren Buffett, and he said, oh, listen, here I am, the Oracle of Omaha, and I want to give you some free instructions on investments. I bet you'd sign up for that. Let's just imagine that Somebody got a call from Chip and Joanna Gaines. Anybody watch her show? And, so, and they said, oh, Janie, I want to give you some instructions on how to restore your new house and make it pristine beautiful on just a shoestring of money. I bet you'd say, that'd be fine with me, Miss Joanna. I can hear you say it. You, you see, friends, what if somebody who is very skilled like at golf, maybe Tiger Wood, called you up and said, would you like a, a free lesson in how to putt? I'm pretty good at it. I'll bet you'd say yes. Now think about it. Jesus, the king and master of the universe, is basically inviting you to enroll in his school of prayer. And the tuition is free, and the result could be phenomenal and priceless. So you need to sign up. Well, let's uh, go ahead and plunge into it right now, because this is the key to power. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came about that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples? Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Well, let's pray. Father, we come so humbly before you, and we promise right now, we give you a prayer promise to come to full spiritual attention, because this is a game changer. Lord, we pray that right now, your spirit would be released in this place and deposit your transforming truth into every receptive heart. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me show you six features of praying the Jesus way. Number one, please make this note, recognize God's character. When Jesus said pray like this, Father is his first word. And that word, Father, we have an opportunity to recognize God's character. Uh, you see, the, Jesus was introducing a radical thought to the disciples, because the way you see God will determine how you pray. You know, for instance, if you see God as uninterested or unavailable, unapproachable, unfair, uncaring, 
then you won't waste your time approaching God. But if you see you, God as your father, not, not only your father, and there are two words in the Greek language for father. There's patrios. Patrios is the formal word for father. And then there is Abba. The word here for father is Abba, and it means daddy. Now, I have three southern daughters, and I just melt when they say, oh, daddy. And that's what they call me. They don't call me father. They call me daddy because they know how much I love them, and I know how much they love me. So, understand that in John, for instance, John's gospel, the word for God, Abba, our daddy, is used 117 times. Remember John said in John 1, verse 12, as many as believe in Jesus and receive him, to these people he gives rights to become children of God. In other words, you're a child of the Most High God, and you can call him Daddy. That's astonishing. That's revolutionary. As a matter of fact, some of the Jews were offended because they thought Jesus was being too familiar, almost flippant. Did you know that if you go to the Quran, which is the holy book of the Muslims, there are 90 names for God, but there is not Father. There is certainly not Daddy. So this is quite a revolutionary concept that God is your Daddy. That's how you should address Him. Let me give you an example. My youngest daughter, Alex. Now let's just for fun imagine that when Alex was a little girl, she came up to me one day, and she looked at me, and we were over in the mall, and she said, Oh, esteemed, noble, and wise patriarch, pastor, father, may I request from thou one crisp green dollar bill to be procured from you so that I might use it to purchase from yonder fast foodery a frozen tasty treat to tickle my taste buds. Oh, great one. Oh, that would be impressive, but she could have just said, Dad, I need a dollar to buy some ice cream. You see, get the address right. A lot of people get to talking to God, and it's all, all of a sudden they go into some language like I've never heard. These people who talk Southern get to talk in Shakespearean, these and thous, and you just, what are you, who are you kidding? I mean, this is not a speech that you're speaking there. You're speaking to the God who created you. And do you know who he is? He's your daddy. He loves you more than you can fathom. So let's start here. Recognize God's character. He is your father. Look at what it says in Romans 8, verse 15 uh, on your worksheet. For we did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You have permission to do that, friends, if you know Jesus. Number two, respect God's name. Hallowed be thy name. A little boy rushed into a Sunday school class and he said, Hey, guys and girls, I discovered that God's name is Harold. He said, Harold, where'd you get that? He said, yeah, the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> well, it sounds like Harold, but it's really hallowed. And the word is a cognate for holy. It's a word of respect. It's a word of praise. Hallowed be thy name. So when you go into the presence of God, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. So what do you do? You hallow God's name. You declare that God's name is holy. If you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, God is describing through Moses to the children of Israel how they relate to each other in the Ten Commandments. And what does God say? 
you better put me first because I created you and I'm the most important in this world. And don't profane my name. Don't take my name in vain. In other words, lift my name up high. My name is holy. And when you address me, you address me with a sense of wonder and worth. Now, when you pray to the Lord, the Scripture says that you should hallow His name. And what does that mean? That means that you brag on God's character. You brag on who God is and what He's done. You brag on the fact that He is your Creator, your Redeemer, your constant sustainer. You thank Him for all that He's done and provided for you, how He's guided you, how He protected you in those unseen watches of the night. Oh, my goodness, tell God how much you appreciate Him. Brag on Him. Let me ask you this. Do you like it when people brag on you? Oh, I do. Oh, I especially like it when my children find something they like about their daddy and tell me about it. Like uh, they do it at least twice a year, my birthday and then on Father's Day. (laughs) No, they do it all the time, actually. But, you know, sometimes they'll write me cards to codify it, and I've got some cards around my desk at home, and they are like my Father's Day cards. And I treasure them because I like it when my kids brag on me. Now, don't you think our Heavenly Father wired us that way? So what does God think when you brag on Him? Well, somehow that just pops every button on God's robe, if He has any buttons on Him, swells His chest in pride. You you see, friends, God wants you to brag on Him. He wants you to hallow His name. So that's how you start out in prayer. You respect His name. It says in Psalm 34, verse 3, check your worksheet. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together is the call. Number three, request God's kingdom. Request God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Now, in the Matthew 6 version, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those mesh together. They're coupled together. You see, God is the king. And where he reigns and he rules, it becomes his kingdom. Remember, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is simply where God is in charge. When you give your life to Jesus, he becomes your king, your leader, your lord, your boss, your CEO. That's who Jesus is. So you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let me tell you what it really is. When you pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, you're the king, and your will be done, you're basically surrendering. Now, surrender comes in two stages. There's a surrender that is a complete act. I surrender to Jesus. I give my life to you. I turn from the old. I begin the new. But it's not only a completed act, it's a continuing attitude where every day you get up and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Let me explain it from the life of Paul. You know, in Acts chapter 9, Paul was converted. He was a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. He was headed to Damascus to destroy Christ followers when Jesus interrupts him with a blinding light, knocks him off his high horse. And Paul, in that moment, he surrenders. He says, I give up. I have been facing a superior power. I give up. You win, Lord Jesus. He surrendered himself to the Lord. But then here was Paul's attitude. It's found in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, every day, that should be your attitude. You live on the altar. And it's a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. A dead sacrifice can't crawl off the altar. A dead sacrifice is stuck there. But a living sacrifice, inherently, every day, in every way, you must choose to stay 
on the altar. And that's what it means to surrender, to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, to request that the sovereign God be your life leader and you surrender to his will. I had an interesting experience I told you earlier about travel, leaving Georgetown, Texas on Friday, and then I got into a tornado situation at the DFW airport. I mean, it was crazy wild. They made us leave the plane and go, they even said, get into the bathrooms. I mean, get away from the windows. I stayed with my nephew. I have a wonderful nephew that lives in Plano, and he came and picked me up. And, uh, oh, we just had the biggest time. He had a date. He said he didn't really like the girl. And he said, uh, oh, Uncle Jay, let me dump her off. I mean, let me drop her off, and, and then I'll come pick you up. And so he picked me up at DFW about 10 p.m. We had the best time. We just talked and talked and talked. And I woke up the next morning because I needed to get back so I could be with you for worship. And uh, I looked outside at 7 a.m., and it is flat snowing in Dallas. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, it was 70 yesterday, it's 30 and snowing right now. And I, I said, man, I'm going to get me an Uber and get to the airport. Because I was afraid if my nephew drove and had a wreck, my sister would be really mad at me. So I wasn't going to risk that. So I got this guy to come pick me up. His name was Edward. And, uh, oh, he was so friendly. And I said, Edward, tell me your story. we got 35 minutes. Tell me your story. Because you don't sound like you're from Texas. And he said, well, I'm from Philadelphia. And I felt better because he knew how to drive in snow. <laughs> Us flatlanders don't. And so here he's just driving along. And he, he said, uh, I said, what brought you to Texas from Philly? He said, well, it's an interesting story. And since you're the pastor of First Baptist Church in Montgomery, let me tell you. He, he said, when I was in Philadelphia, I descended into alcoholism and drug use. So my wife couldn't take it anymore, and she left for another man. This was about 40 years ago. Broke my heart, and it exacerbated my drug use. So the only person that loved me in this world was my sister who lived in Texas. And I called her up, and I said, I'm in a bind. My wife has left. I don't have a dime, and uh, I need to, to, to start over. I've got these three kids here, and they need some help. She said, honey, you come on down to Texas, and I just got two house rules. He said, what are they? Number one, we all go to church on Sunday. He said, I can do that. He said, what's number two? We all go to church on Wednesday. She said, I can do that. So he signed up, he said, for the four of them, they put all their earthly belongings in one suitcase. She sent him money for the bus and got him down there. On that Sunday, they went to church. Edward said he was so touched by the love from his family and from the people of God and the Word of God. He went to the altar, he knelt before the Lord, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He said instantly, all of the addictions just sloughed off of him. He was a new man. And he said, I got up, and I've been walking with Jesus now for 40 years. He said, you wouldn't believe what God has done for me. He said, God set me free. And he said, I started working just as a waiter at a, as a restaurant, at a restaurant. And he said, before long, I was managing that restaurant. And then I was managing a chain of those restaurants. He said, you can't believe how God blessed me. He said, the reason I drive Uber, I'm 67 years old. I meet people so I can tell them about Jesus. Is that what it's about? You bet. You see, it's about being surrendered, a, a starting surrender, but a continual surrender. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. That is our goal. Now, let's move there to number four. Rely on God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, God will supply 
all of your needs. Notice it didn't say, give us today filet mignon and creme brulee. Did you notice it did not say that? It's just bread. And here's what I've determined about myself, friends. Sometimes I don't really know what I need. Have you ever prayed a really bad prayer? And if you would have gotten that prayer, it would have been toxic, it would have been poison for you? Of course you have. You see, some people stumble over this issue, why does God not answer my prayer? Because maybe your prayer is not a good one. Think about that. So if you give a bad request, your dad, it says in Luke 11, if you ask for a fish, would he give you a snake or a stick? No. Sometimes we ask dumb requests, and God has to say no. Or maybe the request is out of time, and God has to say slow. You need to grow a little bit. You're not ready for that. And then sometimes you get a good request that's perfectly aligned with God's Word and God's will, and what does He say? Go. You got it? Go. That's how prayer works. But trust and activate. Look on your worksheet, Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, you can count on Him to do that. In the same way God provided daily manna in the wilderness for the children of Israel for 40 years, He wants to provide your daily bread. Now, remember this. Remember this. God gave them that manna every day. Could they go gather up a two-week supply? No. It would turn to maggot-infested trash. And why did God do that? To keep people dependent upon Him. Do you know that's what God wants of me and you? He wants us to walk in daily dependence upon Him, asking for what we need each day, and then trusting Him. Let's go to number five. Reflect God's forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. You see, we desperately need forgiveness, friends. Do you remember in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is in Capernaum, and so many people are crowding around to hear His teaching and to have His touch of healing that uh, there's a, a paralytic, and they can't get to Jesus. So they tear up the roof, and they lower the man down to Jesus, and he's obviously paralyzed, so you'd think his primary need is physical, but Jesus rerouted it. He said, no, your primary need is spiritual. You are now forgiven of your sins. And do you know what Jesus is teaching us in that moment? That our greatest need is for forgiveness. Our greatest need is to be cleansed because sin separates us from the flow of the Father's love and spirit. The Bible says in Psalm 66, if you treasure sin in your heart, that God will not hear you. So, friends, you've got to get rid of the sin to be rightly connected to the Father. That's why this prayer is so pivotal. It goes on to tell us in Matthew 16, it's recorded here on your worksheet, in Matthew 6, that is, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sin. That's a frightening scripture. As a matter of fact, I can't fully understand that. But it seems to say that God's forgiving me is predicated on my passing it on. And if I don't forgive other people, it jeopardizes God's ability to forgive me. Now, I don't want to be in that category to you. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us not to be petty, bitter, vindictive, revenge-seeking people. We are called to receive His forgiveness and then pass it on. And then lastly, and we're finished, remain on God's pathway. Lead us not into temptation. You see, we live in a world where there's an enemy, and He is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet God wants us to take us 
away from temptation and into His territory of love, purity, and serving. So that is what God is calling us to do, to follow His lead, to let Him be, as it says in Psalm 23, the good shepherd who constantly guides us. Now, as we close, I want to give you the key. This is the secret sauce. This is the key to victory. It's your spiritual armor. You see, when you pray not to be led into temptation, you realize this world is a battlefield, and you've got to be armored up. You've got to put on that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the good news shoes, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then you'll be prepared to be victorious in the battle. Well, let me sum it up by saying there could be some people here in this very moment, and you're saying, oh, Jay, Pastor Jay, this is what I need. My life is off of God's track. My prayer life is puny and impotent. It's weak. It's not having any effect. And I need to get back on God's track. Do you know how you do that? You can do it right now as we pray together. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Father, we humbly come before you and ask that you would forgive us. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.